You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. All right, welcome back to another episode of NFT365, and you are in luck. I know there's been, uh, you know, 100 episodes, and I, I got a really nice message this morning from someone that said, Brian, you know, I started off at episode one of your podcast, and I didn't realize that it took 34 episodes before you did an interview. And when I read it the first time, I kind of read that as in, like, Brian, that's a whole lot of Brian Fanzo in your ear. And we were glad that you interviewed some people just to give us a break from 34 straight uh, episodes of just me uh, kind of ranting and talking into the microphone. And for those that are listening, you're in luck. We have a, another exciting interview for you here today. And you know, when we you know, launched NFT 365, part of the the beauty for me is, you know, I've always looked at myself as a multi-hyphenate, or you could call it multi-passionate, where, you know, I've never been able or willing or successful at niching down. And I understand that there are many in the world that believe, you know, if you, you know, the riches are in the niches and you must, you know, niche down. So, you know, if you do one thing and one thing only, it's easier to talk about. But if you do many things, you're, you know, a jack of all trades, masters of none. And I am a very proud jack of all trades. And I don't believe I'm a masters of none. I'm a masters of some or masters of many. And with that being, you know, in mind, when we were kind of selecting the name of this project and, and we're going through it, we were originally were going to say, you know, it was going to be Web 365. Then we were talking about, is it going to be Meta 365? Um, and we kind of settled on NFT 365 for a, a multiple of reasons. But part of it was, for me, it was more of the connective tissue or, you know, the the avenue in to this beautiful Web3 space. And I've been very vocal uh, and actually one of the keynotes that I'll be giving uh, in about two weeks uh, out in San Diego, California, is about, you know, the, the four access points that I believe are there into Web3. Uh, one of them being NFTs, another one being, of course, cryptocurrency. A third one being the creator coins, which many know the uh, we have the ADHD coin here um, on the podcast uh, on Rally. And the fourth one being the metaverse. And for me, I look at these four different you know entry points into Web3, and they all have lots of uh, you know linkage and ways that they kind of come together. And the beauty is we're kind of all evolving together. And you know, the metaverse is being driven by NFTs. NFTs are are driving some innovation in the metaverse. Cryptocurrency, of course, is a is a through line through a lot of this. And then we have also, you know, creator coins and social tokens and tokenomics that are allowing for, you know, different, uh, you know, utility, different roadmaps for all different um, aspects of, of this entire beautiful Web3 world that we are all helping create. And I, I wanted to start this off by just reminding us all that we are all helping to reimagine the future. We are all helping to recreate the future. And the beauty is that there is no one way to do it. There is no one path into this space. The beauty is this that I believe is that we are removing 
the the ownership from the platforms, the ownership from the the you know the giant entities, and we are shifting that ownership to you know us as creators, us as owners. But with that shift of of ownership, there is also a massive transformation and transition that we all have to go through on learning and 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 adapting and growing together. And one of those places is without question, you know, the integration of, you know, what does the metaverse mean? How does the metaverse work together? And then I'm a big advocate for anything and everything that is mobile. I am a, uh, I've, I will put this out there that I maybe have minted more NFTs via my mobile device than uh, anyone that you know. Uh, I, I'm going to guess well over 100 NFTs that I've actually minted um, from my actual iPhone. And part of it just because for whatever reason, people like to drop their mint dates whenever I'm on my phone or I'm out with my daughters at a soccer game or, or just last night I was, I was at the bowling alley minting an NFT at the bowling alley with my three daughters as we were bowling. And so, you know, that, that's part of like the world that we live in. And so I'm excited to jump into this conversation. It's actually uh, with the, with our friends at some place and they are a mobile metaverse and we're going to get into all these little details. And I'm actually, I will say, I want to put this out there. You know, I have a lot of projects, a lot of tools that reach out, you know, trying to get on our radar for the podcast or get on the radar just for social amplification. And I immediately was hooked on this brand, on this community, because they they did kind of what I talk about a lot on Show You Care and uh, reached out and kind of showed me some of the capabilities of, of the tool, also their vision uh, for the future. And I've also been able to just be in a lot of the Twitter spaces that they've been a part of. And I will tell you that the names of the people that they've been on stages with have been uh, the who's who, I would say, of this NFT space, which I think is a, is a beautiful thing uh, for all of us to uh, kind of be a part of. And so with that being said, I would love that we have our guest, uh, Lana Hopkins. You are, uh, thanks so much for joining the podcast. And I would love it if you could just give yourself, you know, give a little intro about who you are and uh, about some place, and then we'll jump into some of the questions. Thank you so much for what I can only describe as the kindest and most generous introduction. Um, I think, you know, uh, the love goes both ways in the same way that you are super excited about having us. We are such big fans, as you know, of your work. And I actually reached out to you early on because everything you talk about is so meticulously thorough and well-researched. And I think that um, it says a lot about how much research and effort you put into this space. You're passionate about it. And so Web3 is a relatively sort of nascent space, and I think we're all learning together. Um, and I'm hoping that we can learn as much from you as you can from us and vice versa. Um, what I did want to say, though, is um, someplace was actually founded by two female entrepreneurs, so myself and my co-founder, Juliana, Um, we're really proud of that fact. Um, And the reason why we're really proud of that is because, as you rightly pointed out, Brian, we were on a podcast earlier today, or actually a Twitter space earlier today, um, and just before this, and we were talking about the representation of women and women coming together and supporting one another um, and also men who support women in the space. Um, because if you think about it, it is a hugely uh, underrepresented opportunity and it's something that we think about all the time. And so why do I talk about that so much? Because one of our core values, our purpose, in fact, is breaking down barriers to building a more digital, uh, more equitable digital experience for everyone. Now, that is for women, that is for people of colour, and that is for people from all walks of life who we believe have not been represented traditionally in Web2, but in particular 
um, when we sort of started researching the crypto space a year and a half ago, uh, the most common word that was coming out of, um, you know, uh, the conversations we were having were words like dude and bro. And I know uh, Jenna, who's our amazing community manager who's listening now, will probably laugh in a second, but she gets called dude at least five times a day to this day. And so I think we have to take a position and a stand um, and do something about that. Now, what else makes a product more accessible? And what makes digital culture more accessible? It's having it, as you said, Brian, right in the palm of your hand. You were out with your daughters, with your three daughters on the weekends, um, and so your mobile went with you everywhere you went. Um, for us, it was really obvious, despite the technological barriers and despite the fact that it may have been easier to launch it within web browser or, you know, build a product that was suited for VR or for expensive PC, that was not how we were ever, ever going to help um, change the status quo, right? And what I mean by that, and I think this is this is actually quite interesting to think about, is when you think about uh, Web3 in general and when you think about the opportunities, um, what comes to mind? Like, what are the what are the most obvious things? The most obvious things is how do we get to one billion users? And one of the best ways to get to a billion users is to actually build a product that you can get into the hands of many. And so, for us, when we were baking the cake, so to speak, we think about three things from the outset. And those three things are effectively what? One is how do you combine incredible technology? Um, some places actually built on uh, Epic's Unreal Engine and we integrate with various, uh, with various blockchains. We're blockchain agnostic. How do you also think about the cultural facets, so the cultural element, which is distribution? How do you partner with people who are a voice to too many? And, for example, today we just launched the space of Reed Witherspoon. Um, and that's something that we're really proud about because I think it's important to get the message far and wide beyond the original crypto OG communities if we are indeed serious about spreading this further. Um, and third is something that we think about from day one is how do you create a product that has intuitive user experience and user design? Um, a friend of mine recently said to us, and we couldn't stop laughing about it, he said, what I appreciate about Someplace is it is the first product that I've used which does not require me to have a double engineering degree. Now, I think that's a pretty – it's both funny and profound, and I think that's one of the most important things that can be said about accessibility because if we're thinking about Web3 and if we're thinking about the, the metaverse seriously, we need to factor in how do we make it far more accessible. What do you think of that on that, Brian? I'd love to hear your perspective. No, and I love the way you set that up. And I think, you know, it's such a, there's such an important, you know, perspective on how we look and approach, you know, all of the actions that we're taking in this space, right? I think the idea of, you know, inclusivity and, you know, exclusivity, right? We have this idea where, you know, most NFTs have a, a finite amount of them, right? So that there is, you know, that, that supply and demand, while also recognizing that we, the way that we truly, you know, branch out beyond, you know, our current borders or our current limitations require us to, you know, adapt and allow onboarding in different ways. And I will say I've been very vocal about this bro conversation. And I, I will say that I refuse to sit on a Twitter space, to be in a, uh, a Discord 
and not address that. And I understand that there are some people that they, it's just kind of been the way they've, they've been you know programmed and that sometimes they just say it without thinking about, you know, the actual uh, context, but it's no longer an excuse. I, I'm willing to give everybody, you know, an opportunity to be educated, to adjust uh, our narrative. But I think that is a, you know, our words matter. And, and I, I'm glad that you brought that up as well. And and I, I also think the, the, the idea and the premise here that is also equally important is like, how do we allow the, you know, the visualization of, of web three to exist for all generations across all worlds. Right. And for me, you know, I'm, I might be a, a pager wearing millennial, which just means I was born in 1981. I'm 40 years old. Um, and I, you know, I'm, it's a, it's funny for me because people will come and like, Oh, Brian, you were in cybersecurity. You're a computer science, you know, tech guy. You love talking about futurist, uh, elements. You must be a massive gamer. No wonder you love the, the metaverse. And I always reply back and is like, actually, I'm not. I, I am probably the world's worst um, solo one player game person. Like when we played Doom, which I guess is me, like, you know, this, that's me aging myself right out of the gate. Um, I was the guy that would like walk into the wall and people were like, why are you walking the walls? Like, I can't get my my person to move around. Like I just was never good at, at single point, you know, single shooter games and the call of duties of the world. And even like the second life of the world. And, and I had a team of, of 32 direct reports at the government. And, and one of them actually carried around a world of Warcraft uh, server with them in their luggage and would plug it in, into the hotels that we were in. And so it's not that I wasn't exposed to that world, but for me, it was a world that I wasn't active in. And so in many cases, we make assumptions when we're talking about this future and the technology that maybe based on a generation or based on someone's you know uh, current focus that they might be exposed to certain things. And in many cases, that's not the case, right? And I think one of the things I love about what you brought up and what you mentioned was not only is it a, are we kind of entering into a point of of entry points, but also like how do you remove some of the barriers while also providing a new opportunity to to open the discussions. And so I would love, you know, for those that are listening that maybe have not, I, I will include the link here. Um, I did hear on Twitter spaces. I'll include it in the show notes of the podcast, but for the, like if you were simplifying, simplifying, uh, simplifying, that's an interesting word, uh, simplifying uh, someplace for those that are listening, how would you simplify the experience that you're creating? I'd love, I think that would kind of set the stage for our listeners. I think that's a brilliant question. And I think that um, I just love your perspective. I feel like we could chat all day, Brian. Um, we should put it there and put it incredible. But um, I think that we have to go back to basics, right? So while Web3 and the metaverse are fascinating ideas, and you've definitely highlighted that, it's never, ever going to scale to 1 billion users quickly unless we actually push for what? Diversity, but also build consumer applications that, dramatically reduce barriers to entry, right? And we've spoken about some of these barriers to entry. Like one of the barriers to entry is obviously building products that are so complex and so difficult to use that lack user intuition. Um, that's one problem. Two, it's narrative and language. You've touched on that as well, right? Three, it's the cultural distribution component. And four, it's actually really thinking about this in terms of this being a game. And so I think the way that we're thinking about things at some place, and like I said, we're all learning. Everybody in this space is still learning. And we're going to make mistakes along the way. But one of the best sort of things that we always say to ourselves is, how do we co-create and co-curate this product 
in truly decentralised fashion or to the extent that is most possible right now with our communities. And what I mean by that, before I even jump in and address your original question, is from get-go, our test flight has had contributions from various different communities. Um, you may have noticed, Brian, we started out with Mebits. Uh, we are huge fans of the Mebits community, um, as well as many other communities from the arts um, and also from uh, various other NFT communities so that we can get the feedback of our own Discord community. And I can see there's a couple. I can see one of our very first uh, supporters, Hicham, is here today. Hello, Hicham. Um, but I think one of the most important things that we need to be conscious of is when we're creating this product, how do we do so with the contribution of those communities? And so for us, the way we think about someplace is someplace is effectively where you come to express your identity as we move, as we transition from the simplicity of Web 2 to the magnitude of Web 3. Um, the way that we're rolling the product out is we're building an intuitive multiplayer world where you've got the ability to interact with like-minded others. Now, why is that important? That's important because traditionally, and this is one of the barriers to entry, traditionally how would you have met and connected with like-minded others? You may have gone to school together or you may play a sport together or you might live next door to one another. Well, guess what? We met a bunch of incredible women in the Web3 space and just today we've launched a collaboration with Reese Witherspoon. Now, that would have never, ever been possible for us to have reach and platform exposure like that had this marvellous Web3 world not come together. And so for us, we're really thinking a lot about how do you give people the tools to interact with like-minded others so that we can start to break down some of these barriers, which are often geographic or socioeconomic, build community and express your identity in a real-time 3D space but also in real life with AR. And what we mean by that is when you think about NFTs and the comments around, you know, NFTs are a scam, what do they mean, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the way that we're really thinking about it and our long-term thinking is this is actually a shift in capitalism, right? So we have the potential to change not just how we work, earn and spend, but the ways in which we live and plan our lives. So how do we do that? We do that by presenting people with um, 3D NFTs that are apl applicable within uh, the context of 3D spaces, but also by AR. So you can actually see what do they look like in the real world? How do we normalise and contextualise that? And how do we create an immersively beautiful space that allows you to be present, but also allows you to share with others that you love the possibilities of Web3? And so to your earlier point, Brian, whilst we've thought a lot about what might be the best technologies, and we are in fact building some based on Epic's Unreal Engine, which for those of you who are gamers would know that Fortnite is also built on the same, the way that we're actually thinking about user experience and intuitive interaction is very, very different. And that the way that we're thinking about humanising the platform is particularly different as well. So what am I able to do in some place today? I can come in and I can personalise my space. I can meet with others in my community in a safe space and we think a lot about safe spaces because that is something that is going to be paramount to the success of uh, successful Web3 communities. 
And also I've got the ability to start to build out what my potential uh, DAO integrations might look like. So a bit of a, a bit of a reveal to your listeners today. We are in fact thinking about uh, working with some of our partners, some of them we've already launched collaborations with, um, and how their communities might be able to plug in um, their own DAOs or their own communities where they've got the ability to self-govern within some place. So the intention is you come into you come into the someplace space, you've got your own space for existence, you've got the ability to interact with like-minded others. You've got the ability to share with the outside world via AR what some of your things that matter to you in life look like. And then you've also got the ability to meander further and through the alley open up new and unexpected doors and avenues that lead you to communities you are either already a member of or have the opportunity to become a member of. Oh, see, I, I, yes, I agree. We could easily talk for hours because I, I love the the openness here with, with the possibility of, of kind of how this is even adapting. And, you know, I've pinned across to the top. I, I like to say, you know, January 7th, uh, you, you had reached out and you had created a, an amazing, uh, you know, metaverse mobile visualization, 3D visualization of some of my NFTs and my space. But there's some other names that some might be familiar. This Wreath Witherspoon, I may be some familiar with, or uh, Eva Langoria, maybe some are familiar with. Uh, and both of them have uh, beautiful spaces that I pinned up above. And I say that tongue in cheek because I I love the the openness that the the approach of not only you know someplace from a visualization but also from an entry point and i will say for those that are are listening here you know part of the beauty of what i've talked about a lot on this podcast right 100 plus episodes is the the serendipity that NFTs open up, the serendipity that Web3 allows us to connect with people that we might not, you know, have ever met in real life. But thanks to, you know, us, you know, having a love for the same art or connecting the same community or being a part of the same, um, you know, conversations, we're able to open those doors. But what happens when those doors are open, right? Are we still living in a two-dimensional, you know, chat to vote vo- to video or video to um, audio, you know, conversation, or are we able to actually reimagine and re, you know, ac- you know, kind of replace the way that we even visualize um, the things that we're thinking about in this Web three world? And I and I think you've you've done such an amazing job on that. And I also love, you know, the thought that has gone into you know thinking kind of even beyond, um, you know, traditional. Uh, you know, just having, you know, an avatar where, you know, the avatars are also playing into, you know, what would be a real world, but also a reimagined world. And then the idea where NFTs can be displayed, displayed not only on walls, but for those that will be able to click on the link that'll be in the in the show notes here, you can even click on and you can actually see like our, our Mint 365 NFT is kind of floating above one of the, the mantles that is there. And like, to me, this is, you know, it's very easy. I, I can't remember. It was a I took a design thinking course uh, with it was with Harvard uh, Business School and IBM, and uh, it always to this day it's something that always it always comes back to this idea of design thinking for whatever reason. But I remember we were in this course, and they they challenged us all: Will you create a a a, a vase that holds flowers? And everybody you know drew you know and and I'm not a creative, so like we you know I drew literally like just like like a cup with flowers coming out of it. 
And they then challenged us and said, can you, you know, what if it wasn't a vase? Can you reimagine or, you know, let's remove the, the vase barrier and, you know, think about ways, different ways that, that flowers can be contained. And I remember I just sat there dumbfounded by the question because I was like, what do you mean? Like how the flowers can be contained? Like the, the whole concept blew my mind. But then as I, we saw what others were doing, they were actually taking and saying like, what if every desk that we had in our office also had a water base underneath it that allowed the flow the flowers to float across them. What if we were able to suspend water above uh, you know entryways as we walked in and and it was all of a sudden this idea that like when we remove some of these limitations and we remove some of these barriers that have just always been ingrained in us, our ability to really shift the narrative to change the way we actually even experience things is really pretty magical, right? And it's that idea of the physical meets the virtual, the virtual meets the physical or the digital. So I love where you're taking this. I love the the concept. You know, the website is, is great as well. Now, could you connect the dots with us? So I know there's there's NFTs involved here, not only with NFTs for us as users to visualize, but also, you know, NFTs within, you know, the products and services that you're offering. Talk to us a little bit about like some of the, the ways that you're thinking about like bringing this to the masses. Absolutely. And I think you've said a couple of things that are all phenomenal and they all deserve um, individual attention. So I'll start sort of one by one. Um, one of the things that you really touched on that's really important and that's really pivotal and key to our early thinking was around the avatars, right? And so when we first started to explore this notion as a team, a lot of the questions that we were asking ourselves internally, we didn't have answers for what we knew, though, was that there was a couple of ways this could go, and obviously history is yet to be written still, so time remains. Time is on our side. We knew that for the purpose of integrating and welcoming people who were new to the space, who either were not um, you know, major crypto collectors or weren't gamers, et cetera, was that we needed to create generic avatars so that you've got some context, right? You're in a space. It is your space. You have the ability to outfit yourself and represent yourself in the way that you see fit. But what we discovered pretty quickly, if you think about it, is, you know, on average, how many of us own more than three to five PFPs? And so, and how often do we change them? And so what we realized was that in order to have true representation and in the same way, and there's actually a famous thing, I don't know for some of you who may or may not have seen this before, but it's what we call the coffee shop um, interaction. And at the coffee shop, Brian, you talk about this with the Vaz, but I make a different comparison. One of the most interesting um, pieces of design thinking that we've got here is you've got a generically dressed avatar in a tracksuit, which is symbolic of what a lot of us were wearing during the pandemic when the product was being built, um, standing and chatting with a Mebit. Now, you'd expect to see that Mebit in any sort of um, space such as Essential Land or Fortnite, et cetera, which is a lot more gamer-centric and gamer-friendly. But what it actually also fundamentally represents by placing them together side by side is that we all have so many identities and personalities. And we started to think about when you come into the space, giving you the opportunity to select to be who you want to be. And that's fundamental. To, that's core and fundamental to who you are and who you feel like representing on that day. 
Um, in addition to that, the other points that you also made, and before we move further, we're actually thinking about integrating not just Web3 NFT projects, but also Web2. Um, and that will be a much longer roadmap objective because, as you can imagine, there's a lot of work that needs to happen behind the scenes for us to be able to bring 2D PFP to life as 3D. Um, in addition to that, when you think about like uh, Mebits, for example, if you happen to be a Mebit holder, you currently got a $40,000 NFT that is currently sitting on your um, desktop computer and does not have any utility whatsoever. And so for us, one of the biggest reasons why we're building the marketplace that we're building um, is because we're actually imagining digital collectibles as so much more than two-dimensional and static images, so much more than what we've got in OpenSea right now. So our own marketplace, which uh, the first drop is happening of next week, um, will be curated with 3D interactive NFT with a really special emphasis on artists, brands, and NFT community collaborations. So we are actually dropping 3,000 uh, Genesis bottles, which have a really interesting flavor and story. They essentially talk about the story of Alice in Wonderland um, going down the rabbit hole and discovering things, much like we've gone as a team on a bit of a journey of self-discovery and space discovery over the past year and a half. Um, and we have two wonderful artists, both female, very, very different in terms of their art, but both phenomenal. Chantelle Martin and Amber Vittorio, who are contributing towards um, some of those bottles as well. So what we're aiming to do here is really talk about two things. One is as the space evolves, how we're moving from 2D to 3D. And two, how do we really start to think about things in terms of gravity and physics? Because we've got such a strong and incredible opportunity, as you were mentioning from your design course, um, to shape and, sh and shift the way that people think about um, what is what isn't even possible. And I think that's the magnitude of Web3. We were so limited in terms of self-expression in Web2. And this is all about to change. And that's the most exciting part for us. I love that. Just that part right there, right? Removing that limitation of self-expression. I mean, I mean, I will say you gave me goosebumps. There's like, there's goosebumps because, you know, I, as a, as a dad of three little girls, you know, I will say the, the thing that I, hit me early on as being a dad. And, and it was for those that don't know that part of my, my life, when I was 14 years old in the guidance counselor's office and they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I actually said I wanted to be a dad. And the guidance counselor started laughing, not laughing, like mocking me, but he was laughing. He ended up becoming a really dear friend. And he was like, I've never actually heard uh, a boy in any of uh, his counseling sessions at 14 years old, you know, say that that's what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I was like, well, I, I had a great dad. I love kids. Like, why would I not want to be a dad? And, and I will say like, for me on this journey as being a dad, part of it was, you know, when I looked at my daughters and looked at my life and the things around me was this idea of, I, you know, I really was blessed. My parents, 
empowered me to like kind of walk my own walk and be you know unafraid to dress my own way or and anyone that's seen me on stage I wear you know hot pink shoes a backwards hat and whatever else I kind of I want to and I kind of have always approached life that way and, and I do feel like one of the things that I early on made a mistake on with social media was that I was not enjoying social media from 2009 to 2012 because I was trying to convey what I thought others wanted to hear from me or convey or represent what I thought others wanted to see in me. And it wasn't until actually uh, I'm a mama's boy until my mom kind of called me out and said, you know, Hey, I don't see that you're wearing even a backwards hat on your profile photos and who wrote your bios. They don't sound like you. And I of course was like, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, nothing about social media. And then I hung up the phone and realized, crap, like my mom is right. Like my mom calling me out because it's true that I kind of was like lost in this way of trying to be something that I was not. And I'm very blessed that I had that in 2012, 2013, because I would argue that most of my success to this day and my ability to to scale and be a part of things is because there isn't a difference between, you know, Brian online and Brian offline. But I will say that idea of you know, self-expression in a virtual digital world. I've been, I've been talking about this a lot on this idea that like a profile photo for me of my favorite NFT in many cases embodies more of who I am than a selfie of me. But that doesn't really convey often well into, you know, a, a singular metaverse or a 2D object. So I love that you connected those dots. I love that you brought in also this idea of, you know, it's not about just online versus offline. It's not about just 2D versus 3D or even web two versus web three. But like, how do we kind of reimagine all of these like through lines? And I'm curious, you know, with you've been having a lot of conversations. And I want to give kudos to yourself, your other co-founder who I've heard in, in uh, as well and uh, and your team of being heavily involved in this NFT community. And I will say with so many people that are reaching out to be on this podcast right now, it's now for me, like one of the things where I'm not even going to entertain those that are seeking to be a guest or those that we're having guests that aren't already giving back to this community that aren't already being a part of it from amplifying it. And you've been doing an amazing job. So kudos, you know, publicly from, from me as someone that gets to see that and be a part of that space. And, and I, and I feel it and I recognize it. But I'm curious, like from a, a from a flip side of that, is what are what are usually the questions that you're getting, or like the the problems that you give people to solve that give them that aha? Because I know, you know, NFTs is a big leap for a lot of people. But let we throw AR or VR or 3D or metaverse, and now we're making people really, you know process a way of reimagining. So I'm curious, like what are some of the ways that you kind of give people that like that aha or that light bulb moment that I think that could help so many of us that maybe we've already had it, but we want to give it to our spouse or we want to give it to our family member or that person that is the hater. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. I love it. Brian, seriously, I feel like we're going to be here all day and all night because there's just so much that you're saying and there's just so much that I want to respond to today. Um, the beauty in the question that you're asking is, and our dear, dear friend Bobby, um, Bobby Hundred from Adam Bomb Squad, he put it perfectly, right? And, and I think he's the master of sort of, sort of, um, uh, I guess, synthesizing some of these important things. Like when we think about the metaverse, like the Zooms that we're on, the text, the Slack, the DMs, et cetera, 
We're actually already socializing and working together online. That is already happening. Um, I think that the pandemic has accelerated that even further to the next degree. Um, but, you know, for decades, we, and, and we talk about self-expression and personality so much, but we painted our personalities in the same font. We constrained our identities to profile pictures. And I think we boxed ourselves into very sterile environments, be that 2D or 3D. Like I actually have a view that some 3D environments are just as sterile and just as unrealistic. And so if we're going to be spending so much of our lives communicating on the internet, why are we not thinking about the internet as being immersive and vivid like the physical world? Better yet, why don't we actually design the universe we want and why don't we connect how the, how IRL talks to URL? So one of the biggest, biggest sort of uh, thought points and discussion points internally was how do we link the two and how do we make it super interesting? And I think for us it was really about cutting back on jargon, cutting back on complexity and building something that, and again, please don't laugh, but internally, and the secret is already out, we call it the intuitive slash sexy metaverse. Like so, why is it, and why is our someplace metaverse sexy? Because it's easy. Because it makes sense. Because, like I was saying earlier today, one of our um, one of our friends recently said to us, "This is the first app that I've been able to use where I do not feel like I need to have a double engineering degree in order to be able to use it." Well, and How I, does that I, let, let me just throw in real quick. I'm a big Justin Timberlake fan and bringing sexy back all the time. And so like <laughs> if some place is bringing sexy back to the metaverse, I am all for it. So I, I love that connection. <laughs> oh my God. You can bring sexy back anytime. I'm so glad we've, so, we've, we've uh, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Love it. Um, but, but what it really comes down to is, Brian, we need the help of your platform and other platforms to help get away from crypto terminology, words that confuse and uh, bedazzle people. Um, we need to get away from interfaces that are challenging to use. We need to start to think about more about how do we make things easier and how do we make them make sense more. So, for example, with some of our 3D NFTs, if you've actually got the bottle in your living room and you've taken a photo and you've sent that to a friend, that is one of the simple and most basic ways in which we're currently using um, Web2 technology in an easy way to explain what this means. It provides utility. I think the problem with, you know, talking about things like buying land in the metaverse or complex integration of wallets I think those are the things that make people run for the hills. And every single decision that we've made, right down to partnering with Flow, for example, for our first marketplace drop, even though caveat being we are working with um, integrating other technologies such as Layer 2, popular Layer 2 Polygon and ETH, obviously, so that artists have the ability to drop on whichever platform they desire, we are thinking about things like gas fees from day one. We are thinking about things like usability from day one. And those are the ways that you reduce barriers to entry by making it easy for people. Um, a very famous venture capitalist who shall remain unnamed recently said something to, to us and I will never forget it. And she said, nobody cares. No, mass audiences don't care about the blockchain, the why, the how, the what. 
in the same way that nobody cares how bar now pay later services, which came before such as after pay worked, what people care about is this going to be make my life better or not? And so what we're thinking about every single day when we get up, from the minute we get up to the minute we go to bed, is how do we make people's lives easier and better? And that comes down to every single decision that we make in terms of what do we roll out, how much is ready to go, et cetera. I'll give you a really good example. When we first started to research the metaverse in the space and what made sense and what didn't, um, some context for you, I've been building in the WebGL 3D space in my previous life long before starting someplace. And that was the foundation of some of the original 3D thinking that we brought into someplace as well over years of experience. But what we started to think about is you've got incredible products um, built by some of the most intelligent people um, to date, such as Second Life. But what happened with Second Life? What do we think, in our opinion, could have been better or went wrong? One is obviously technology was well ahead of its time and, and that to an extent can't be helped. The, the architectural vision probably was incredibly ambitious for its time. Two, I think, the two biggest problems I think were that culture and cultural moments were not a major consideration. And for us, we think about technology and culture and the intersection of the two as being absolutely pivotal for success because culture is how we contextualise the world and how we think about what makes sense and what doesn't. And third is intuitive user experience. If you cut out the intuitive user experience and the culture association, what you're effectively left with is a product which is built for niche audiences. Now, that doesn't help us get to a billion people fast because we've effectively built something for the for a select few for one reason or another. And so for us, it's about how do you start, how do you build more with less how do you start with a really nimble approach, but where you seriously consider every facet of what you put out into the world and how do you then build on that and make it bigger and bigger and bigger over time rather than creating this massively dimensional world with complex terminology that does not scale to the masses. So in everything we do, we think about, we go back to our purpose, which is how do we make this easily accessible for everyone? Oh, I, I mean, I think... I think every person listening here, when when you ask yourself, like, what are some of the goals that we should have? I think you've hit it, all of them right there, right on the head in the sense of, you know, simplifying the complex. I, I like to say, like, my goal and mission is to translate the geek speak. And, you know, I think it's great to have that geek speak in, in our own little worlds. But to your point, I and I would even argue many of the, the crypto bros and even the NFT bros that are, are not a big fan of this podcast because I, I think, uh, you know, part of it for me is exposing the idea that a lot of people use the terminology to create a barrier, to even make a 1% gap even even larger in the sense of if we make it more complex, they're going to have to hire us. They're going to have to realize that it's, you know, it, we are the experts in this space. And that, you know, lack of, of true growth mindset, that lack of true, you know, community is often kind of encompassed by they also put things like wag me next to it, right? Where they're, we're almost making it, you know, you know, making these barriers to entry is not only complex with terminology, but complex even with our use of, of slang and narrative and and words. And and I I am you know so so much on board on removing that, on stopping that, on calling that out. And I love 
I love this approach of even, you know, using the, the flow, flow blockchain, as you had mentioned, right, on how do we how do we create a simplified UI, right? And when I look at the, we get, I mean, the amount of questions we get from the podcast on a daily basis, you know, are amazing. But so many of the questions, when I sit back, it's like, the people don't care about the the underlying blockchain. Like you said, just like we didn't care about which cell phone towers our cell phones were going to connect to. We just want our signal to work where we want our signal to work. And don't, we don't care if it's 5G, if it's LTE, if it's 4G, if it's a, you know, a landline, just let me get the experience and service that I want. And, and we'll let the work, a lot of that work on the back end. And, and that's why even the idea of like web three language is so funny because we have to explain what web two and web one was because those terminologies have gone away, right? We didn't, people aren't like, wow, this web two, uh, you know, Amazon website is really amazing. It's like, no, I order Amazon and it shows up tomorrow. Like that's, that's the experience that we, we love and support. And I, and I will say, I think to me, that's why when I was super excited about having you on the podcast, because I have some great friends that are in the metaverse conversation. And uh, one of my dear friends who I've known since 2012, uh, Kathy Hackle, uh, is, a, is a good close friend of mine who is, will be on the podcast uh, at the end of this month. And Kathy and I were, were kind of discussing like, the narrative that we were going to have on the, on the podcast. And we were both laughing because the, the things that we were trying to simplify, I would say, nine years ago in, uh, in technology around social media and marketing – um, just recently have become a little bit more simplified and we don't want to make that same errors now. Right. And I think if we look at cloud computing, like the, uh, like the onboarding of cloud computing, in my opinion, was one of the biggest mistakes we could have made in technology because people still to this day, when they hear cloud computing, they look up to the sky as if, you know, Apple, <laughs> right. Apple told us that <laughs> our photos live in the cloud. And all of a sudden that apparently like there's servers floating above our heads. Right. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. And that, like, that narrative. And so I love this approach because it's, it's not too early, but it's also, it can be too late if we force some of these ridiculous, you know, vernacular and these returns and we, we make it complex for, you know, for complex, you know, just for complexity on in its own basis. So I love that approach. And I, I'm curious from, you know, you mentioned the, the Genesis collection, the NFTs, you mentioned some of the things that you have coming down, you know, as well with, you know, collaborations. I know, um, you know, other, you know, projects that are, are coming as well. I'm curious from your standpoint, you know, you mentioned earlier you were in a amazing space with amazing other women leaders in, in this arena. Your, your, uh, some places co-founded by two amazing, uh, women leaders, you know, I, I will look at this as 2022 being the, the, you know, it's, it's not the fact that this is a resurgence because the, the surgence has been there. I believe it's finally now that either seats are being made at the table or all of you amazing women leaders are making your own damn tables. And now we get to pull up to the tables and be a part of the conversation. So I'd love to hear any, like, as you look at the future, as you look at the things that you're most excited about, what are the things that you're keying on that maybe you can inspire us as we kind of wrap up this interview? Of course. Um, and can I just say, and I feel like every time you start talking, I, I get inspired to say more things, but you talked about simplicity and humanity, right? And so um, I actually started my career in advertising and my father-in-law is a very intelligent man who keeps saying this every day. He started his career actually at Ogilvy and Mather, working for David Ogilvy, who it, arguably is probably one of the most interesting storytellers of all time. 
And uh, Jenna from our team, who actually is responsible for a lot of the incredible copy that you see, it's important to kind of say, guys, I think a lot of times um, you've got founders and co-founders that go on podcasts and they talk about themselves. But for us, we've got an amazing team that all deserve um, to be called out for the incredible work that they do every day. But Jenna will agree with this. And the copy and the way that we talk about things has to be human and has to be very, very simple. And so I almost think that that is actually a craft. That's something that I've taken away in my life in everything and anything I do. If you're overcomplicating something, that means you don't fully understand it yourself or you're trying to exclude people from having a seat at the table. Um, And I think those are very problematic things. So copy, the way you talk, the way you rationalise, the way you think has to be incredibly simple. I That also concludes how I think about this because I think as we start to move from what was, you know, initially happening in 2009, 10, 11, 12, the blockchain is a very interesting concept and I think it has the ability to change lives for people worldwide. I also think that it needs to have representation at the table so that we can make sure that some of the mistakes made in Web 2 do not repeat again in Web 3. And you probably heard me saying this, Brian, um, on the previous podcast, sorry, Twitter spaces that I was on with Marion. Tim Berners-Lee had a really great idea for what the internet should look like. I don't think we quite got there. I think we have an opportunity right now to rewrite history by doing things differently. And so that includes representation, that includes having, um, you know, a more simplistic approach to how we communicate. We don't want people to be looking at the blockchain thinking, what is this? It's it's inundating, it's confusing, it's challenging. Our job in all of this, um, and as I said when I first came here and, you know, uh, discussing this with you, it's really how do we reduce the barriers to entry? So when we go home at night, how are we going to know if we've done our job? We're going to know if we've been successful in breaking down barriers to actually building a more digital, uh, more equitable, sorry, digital experience for everyone. I'll tell you something really interesting anecdotally. There's two things that I want to say. Um, we believe in co-creation and co-curation, and therefore we've worked with various NFT communities and our incredible Discord community as well in building the products. And some of the sort of most interesting points of feedback that have come through um, are worthy of sharing. But there's one that I cannot step away from and there's one that I was always a little bit nervous about. And people who are both OG cryptos and also people who own, you know, perhaps their first NFT ever, one of the most common questions we get is, when are you guys rolling this out on Android? Now, that makes me tear up a little bit because I think it validates all of the pain um, that we as a team went through when it would have been so much easier to initially build a product uh, or a web browser product or for desktop or for VR. But instead, we chose to combine iOS and Unreal, um, which for those of you who know the history there would appreciate some of the challenges that we've had to overcome from a from an architectural perspective. Um, but it was absolutely worth it because it was really about accessibility. Um, and in addition to that, the other thing that excites me is going through the process of due diligence for some investors the other day, we actually realised that 51% of our users are women. That that deserves a, a massive, massive round of applause in my opinion um, because that shows that we are shifting the goalposts, we are changing the paradigm and we are creating something worth celebrating. 
Um, in addition to that, also, what gets me out of bed personally is, yes, we're incredibly fortunate to have unbelievable platforms and partnerships, et cetera, in the, in the making. But I actually am mostly excited about um, one of our early users who is a dad in the, in the Midwest and he happens to be a basketball coach for a women's um, basketball team. Um, other people are coming into the space from um, from um, various communities. Uh, a lot of them are underrepresented communities, etc. And they are writing to us and to me every day saying, thank you for helping me seem, uh, feel seen for the first time. I feel like I'm seen in this space. That to me is everything. So if we're just doing that tiny, tiny little bit and shifting away from bro culture to making something that is easy to use, simple, as David Ogilvy said, um, and incredibly magical, then I think what we've created is not just a sexy metaverse, but a kind metaverse. Because at the end of the day, it's important to, it's nice to be important, but it's much more important to be kind. And I think if that's anything we are ever remembered for, then that would be that would be our mission um, on this journey. Bringing sexy and kind to the metaverse, I I'm, I'm all in on it. I I think that's a I think that's a, a a marching orders that we could all embrace. And I will say the the copy on the website, I, I really recommend you know for everyone that's listening, definitely go just check out you know even just checking out the the website you know some dot place, just the the simplicity of of the word choices on the website, the way that that it's broken down. I I it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful. And for some, they might not recognize that until they realize that when you go to a lot of the other places, especially in this um, space, it not only is complex, but it is um, a little bit overly wordy in a way where you're like, they want you to feel like you don't know something. So you click the button. And I feel like on your website, you, you've, you're so welcoming that you want to click the button. And I, and I have to bring in the Leonardo da Vinci quote, right? Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And I think uh, in this beautiful art arena and art space of NFTs, uh, you know, Da Vinci had, had it right long ago. And I think in tech, in, in the digital world as a whole, we might have strayed from that in, in many cases, and it's not too late for us to bring it back. So, Lana, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I think maybe we'll have to, we'll have to do a, a part two, um, you know, down the road. You know, we are doing this 365 and I, and I just know with so many things in the works and things coming out, we'll have to kind of bring this back to life because I, I would love to kind of connect some of the dots for our listeners as well. But, you know, is there any last words you want to you know, share with the audience before we close down? Um, firstly, thank you for giving us your platform. I would absolutely love to see um, a return so that we can continue this conversation. You are doing amazing things, paving the way and creating opportunities for people to share their stories. So you deserve as much of a round of, of applause as uh, as anybody else. There is actually, you spoke about the website and I think, and I've said it before, but there's an unbelievable group of people who are working tirelessly behind the scenes and thinking about simplicity. Jenna, from our social um, and community team, who's here today, is responsible and deserves that round of applause for simplifying. It's one of the hardest jobs. Juliana, my co-founder, works tirelessly behind the scenes in making the visuals pop and come to life in a really magical way. And the rest of our community, we've got incredible moderators like Hitch, who's here today, I can see, um, really working tirelessly in helping evangelise and really share what are the values that matter for us at Team Someplace. Um, it is the sum of all parts. I mean, there's a lot more people that I could go on to name. Um, some are here today, some are not. 
Um, we've got Matt, we've got Josh working tirelessly on making the product and technology phenomenal. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm just I'm just speaking on behalf of many, many, many people who are tirelessly t- trying to bring this to life. So thank you for giving us this platform, and I'd love to continue the conversation. We will for sure. And I will say, you know, strong leaders uh, are are strong in their conviction for celebrating their team. And, I, and I've heard you do that on uh, many occasion. And it just makes me a, a bigger fan uh, on that side as well. And, and it's uh, it's something that I think we can all, we all need to hear more of, especially in this NFT space, that there are, you know, teams of people that make all of this magic happen from every person walk of life and, and, you know, for each of us as owners. And I'll say for everyone listening here, you know, part of the beauty for me on, on creating this daily podcast was that, you know, I never for once was worried about what would we say, would we run out of content? I was more worried about would we, you know, be able to bring people on a journey and be able to simplify things in ways that we don't lose people along the way. And I will say, you know, for those that are in our space, that there are people that without question that have probably entered this space and were called bros and, and felt polarized that left the space. And there were people that would come in the space and unfortunately were rug pulled or their onboarding wasn't as, as nice as it needed it to be. And I would just challenge us all, you know, it's, if each one of us reach out to one person and, you know, help simplify that onboarding, help bring people into this space that we know can make this space better, uh, it's very easy for us to double the amazing humans in here is if every amazing human does their own job of just inviting and taking responsibility for one other person into this space. So for uh, Brian Fanzo, for uh, Lana from some.place, I'll include all of those amazing links and uh, some of the things that I mentioned here um, in the show notes. Uh, we are super powered by the ADHD coin over on rally.io. And this is another amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.